0: criteria is um, it encompasses Central Asia. And um, at one time, there are many, many different tribes uh, scattered throughout. So you're looking at giants. they are little people. There were um, Caucasians, you know, who weren't of European stock, but they looked white. They had somewhat Anglican features. Um, they are Asians, all different types of tribes of people. And while well, they were they were conquered and, and eventually uh, wiped out and exterminated many of them. And when they wanted to establish a new uh, market, they would come in, wipe out uh, the entire population or as many as they could. Um, but Then they would enslave the rest or the survivors and take whatever land and resources that they wanted
1: before we get into this show I want to share with you the Z stack a powerful immunity building vitamin pack formulated by dr. Zelenko the founder of the Zelenko protocol many of you may have seen my interview with dr. Zelenko explaining how the combination of quercetin and vitamin C together is a powerful zinc ionophore gun, which delivers zinc, the bullet, into the cell where the virus is. Zinc blocks the virus from getting into the cell. Quercetin and vitamin C together are a safe over-the-counter alternative to hydroxychloroquine. Access to this is needed when government restricts and bans effective treatments. Also, it has been established that high normal levels of vitamin D is important for warding off sickness and staying out of the hospital. With the dangers of the COVID shot, we need a strong immune system to keep from getting sick. The danger is getting sick. That's when the effects of the bioweapon shot takes over. The Z-Stack will provide you with a defensive weapon to fight a potential virus. You can see the studies and also buy yours today at the link below or at sarahwestall.com under shop. I also highly recommend C60 gel caps, daily zeolite detox, and my probiotic greens to maintain a healthy body, all of which you can get at my shop at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have such an interesting show today. I have author and investigative journalist Susan Bradford joining the show and she's going to discuss her latest book on the lost empire of tartaria and the treachery and how it ties to china and the satanic elite the globalists i have been interested in learning more about the the mysterious disappearance of the of the world's largest empire before our modern age. Yes, Tartaria was the world's largest empire, and it just disappeared from existence. But older maps, books, newspapers, there are other facts that you can still find that really proves that Tartaria not only existed, but it was the world's largest empire. Susan will explain what she uncovered about Tartaria and how it's the missing link to the current globalist treachery that we are seeing today. But before we get into this fascinating interview, I have some really important information I need to share with you. And let's start with probably the most important thing that anyone can do, and that's keeping from getting sick from this bioweapon and just keeping from getting sick in general, especially if you have been vaccinated or around those who have been vaccinated. Dr. Joe Newsma and I put together a solutions guide on proven methods to keep from getting sick. And you can find that on the front page of my website. It will be updated as new information comes available. Remember, remember, please, it is critical to not get sick and to stay the heck out of hospitals. Included in the document is both the recommendation of taking the Z-Stack and C60. Well, the Z-Stack, you can take other alternatives, you know, hydroxychloroquine, uh, ivermectin, but the Z-Stack is the over-counter alternative to that. It gets the Corsetin and vitamin C gets the zinc into the cell, and so it's awesome. It's Dr. Zelenko's uh, product that he put together when he realized that hydroxychloroquine was being banned. It's just uh, horrible that they did that, but they, they could do that again. We all know that. And C60 has been proven to be the best supplement in the world for reducing inflammation, including the cytokine storms that can come from this bioweapon, from other bioweapons. And if you have inflammation in general, inflammation is the worst thing. It causes so many problems. It causes most of the problems that we suffer through. So C60 is just an amazing product. And if you haven't looked into it yet, you really need to be. But make sure you don't use those that are... Uh, refined with solvents because, you know, people are saying C60 is toxic. C60 is not, it's carbon, it's not, we have carbon creatures. It is not toxic, not in this form. But the solvents could be toxic to some people, or they could also be allergic to it. People are having some issues. The C60, I recommend, is not using sulfates. It's a water refining process. It's more expensive because that process takes more time but it gets those solvent it doesn't ever use any solvents so you're not going to have that toxic element but anyways if you order any of these products please order a larger supply you don't know what's going to happen with the trucking companies going on strike with us having so many issues with getting you know the supply chain working properly for my parents I ordered a year supply of the Z-stack and they were vaccinated People who watch my show regularly know that I was so against it, but they did it because I had a niece that told them they're going to die if they don't get vaccinated. I, you know, all of us have loved ones that are vaccinated. I have so many that are, which is so difficult to deal with. It. Thank God, my my inner family, my kids, and my husband are not, but everyone else is, and it's. Ugh, I know so many of you are dealing with the same thing I am. But when it comes as the Z stack, if you get a 12-bottle order, it will ship free even internationally. So international people outside of the US, if you get 12 bottles, you will get free shipping internationally. So it not only it incents you to get the a good year supply, which I really highly recommend. Next, censorship is growing even more, if you can believe it. I just learned that one of my my listeners can no longer get to my site because New Zealand is blocking them. This is New Zealand, a free Western country. If you are having problems getting to my website, be sure to use a VPN and set it to a country that does not specific, that does not censor specific website. He changed it. To I think he changed it to the United States because the United States is not censoring my IP address and he was able to get into it. So if any country, and in the future, it could be the U.S. could start censoring somebody else. Because So just play around. There are countries that probably won't ever censor. So just be cognitive of that. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter to get all the updates, new shows, and articles. It really is the best way to avoid censorship. If you signed up and you're not getting it, then check your spam. And then also Gmail, I know that if you don't look at it after 30 days, they just don't even deliver it to you anymore. So just be cognitive of that. Check your spam. Look for it. Make sure you get it out of there. Re-sign up if you need to. Uh, Just be aware that they are playing games with email you <laughs> but you can get around that. And then lastly, I have a new exclusive going up on ebonair and TV. I was interviewed yesterday by Dave Hodges where I shared a significant amount of intel that I have been receiving on Afghanistan, um, a new bioweapons release and more. Not all of this, I could not vet everything yet because I just have been getting this over the last 24 hours. So I'm telling you what I've been hearing. I tell you honestly what I've been able to vet and not vet, but um, that I'm looking in- into, and I just it, for those of you who listen to Sarah Westall.TV or Ebony, you know that it's your responsibility to, to make sure that if something isn't 100% vetted, to take your time until we're able to vet it. That's why this is only for my members. If I'm going to be putting out a report that goes out to the general public, I always 100%. I vet these things. I feel very confident about what I say personally. Yeah, when I interview people. I can't bet everything they say, but what I say I'm responsible for. Yeah, could I be getting misinformation on occasion? Yeah, I could, but i you have to know that I am working in overdrive to try my best to get you information that's not disinformation and that's real that you can trust. And so at least I'm trying, but still, even coming from me... You're gonna have to uh, look and see if you get alternate sources, and just kind of be aware that we're in a climate that we're all being bombarded with disinformation so much, and we have a paradigm. I mean, look at the largest uh, empire in the world was was erased from history. I mean, our paradigm is such a we have to learn new new history, new paradigms. I mean, we've been lied to so much that all of us, even the most awake person, the one who has researched the most, will have paradigms they don't realize that's based on lies. So it, it just comes with the territory to kind of keep your mind open on these that things are going to change as we learn more about what the true history is. But what an exciting time. While we have the, the worst stuff happening with <laughs> there's a death jab and we're you know everything's in chaos, we are also learning so many amazing things. So I guess, you know, with chaos, there's opportunity for great change in good positive ways, but we have to defeat these satanic uh, globalists, these awful people. Whatever we do, we got to take these guys down and then work to build humanity in a loving, more caring, humane way. Anyways, let's get into this fascinating show with investigative journalist and author Susan Bradford. Hi, Susan. Welcome back to the program. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to talk about this because I don't know anyone really, you know, Cliff High talks about this a little bit, but anyone who's really dug into Tartaria and its history. Well, there are people, but not like what you did here. And, you know, they're looking at uh, maps and they're looking at architecture and there's this whole Tartaria out there. But you've been able to uncover a lot more of what Tartaria is. And I am so fascinated and I'm so excited to hear about it. And I know that our listeners will be too. First, can you talk about what Tartaria is? You know, what is this empire? What the heck?
0: Sure. So uh, Tartaria is, um, it encompasses Central Asia. And um, at one time, there were many, many different tribes uh, scattered throughout. So you're looking at giants, they're little people, there were um, Caucasians, you know, who weren't of European stock, but they looked white, they had somewhat Anglican features, um, they're Asians, all different types of tribes of people and um, all over the world. Um, well, they were uh, concentrated within Central uh, Asia um, I did see reports where they where their empire actually extended into North America at one point
1: okay but it was tribes of people that weren't like us as much like giants and little people And
0: well they, they haven't earthed um, you know the skulls and, and the bones of, of giant people um, I don't know if you recall like, a Gulliver's travels from your you know your high school yeah yeah high- um so a lot of the um, the english uh, authors who are connected to the, the political establishment the british um elite um they 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 um depicted some of these people in their novels so you know the gulliver's travels you know they uh, uh referenced like the giants and the little people
1: but so, they weren't as little and as giant as they did it in gulliver's travels oh that's but, true
0: correct yeah adapted. but
1: they were still little and they're more like um what is that show, you know, with dwarfs and the, and larger people, what was the show with the,
0: it's like the uh, reality show.
1: Oh, there's a show God. that was really popular with the little dwarfs and stuff. I can't remember it. it I should, cause it won Academy Awards, but <laughs> yeah. And it, but it's popular in medieval type stories all the time.
0: Yes, it was that that's correct. Um, so th- these were actually, uh, tribes that well, they were they were conquered and, and eventually uh, wiped out and exterminated many of them, um, and the process began really when the um, the the early Venetian merchants were um, traversing into Central Asia in search of of markets and um, new new goods, and so they teamed up with um, with different mercenary forces like the um, the, the Khazarians and the Mongolians and um, the Muslim Turks. Uh, who th- they'd already had a, a pre-existing a commercial ties through uh, through Egypt, Greece. Um, which extended you know, back hundreds of years, but uh, Tartary was very dangerous. And so in order to kind of enter those markets, they had to kind of partner up with these people. And when they wanted to establish a new uh, market, they would come in, wipe out uh, the entire population or as many as they could, um, but then they would enslave the rest of wh- the survivors and take whatever land and resources that they wanted.
1: Wow. Why were they so dangerous?
0: Um, I think uh, the uh, there was a, um, a deep occultic um, kind of demonic religion um, within like Tartary. So these people um, claim to have had some some ties some ties to um, the demonic. Um, so if you can um, imagine, like th- they claim that they are the original descendants of Noah from the Bible, and according to some of these sources, um, the original floods. Uh, covered up the technology that had been provided from aliens, you know, if you wanted to call them that. Um, They got access to to this technology and to the uh, the Egyptian mystery schools where they believed that they could live forever through um, regeneration involving blood rituals, um, pedophilia, human sacrifice, cannibalism. So a lot of these people, uh, like by our standards, by our, I mean like Judeo-Christian, they lacked any uh, humanity. So they they would kill without any compunction. Um, They uh, would brutalize others. And they had a view that uh, was very hierarchical. So those at the top, viewed that those who are beneath them um, were of no consequence so they had no problems oppressing them they were you know could be very sadistic at times um, to demonstrate their power over humanity or those you know, under them
1: well that's the concern that these people are this Lucif- we call them a luciferian cult or mm-hmm. whatever demonic cult are now in charge of all of our institutions now or all of our right. major institutions so Tartaria never was completely wiped out. they just kind of went underground.
0: Um, they changed their name I guess Tartaria became China and a lot of the records about Tartary uh, which were kept by by the Jesuits and and uh, this the CIA even, um, Uh, um, And the the missionaries, the Franciscan missionaries who went into Central Asia, um, they were kind of hidden, like hidden from the public, because I think if you understood um, the patterns that, that, uh, you know, of conquest in Central Asia and and the tactics that they were using, um, you would be able, you would know what the the, the cabal is currently doing, because you could trace it right back, you know, to to the source.
1: Well, and China, though, today is... You know, I've been in China and the people are very kind and nice that on the surface, you don't know, but the average person is, and the average person probably has nothing to do with this, right? They just, it's a huge population of Chinese that has nothing to do with it. So, and the, they had emperors and then in the, uh, you know, the last century, they took it over. The Chinese communist party came in with Mao. So is Mao the representation of Tartaria? How did that fit in
0: um now it, it now is a representation of the east india company um, and like these ancient merchants and the Rothschilds. so from i would say the mongolian period you know when um marco polo entered uh in, into central asia in search of mar- markets for the merchants of venice um he connected with the mongolians and the mongolians had a vast empire Uh, extending even into like parts of Turkey, the Arctic. Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan, correct. Um, So when the Jesuits connected with uh, the Mongolian emperors, uh, they tried to convert them to Catholicism. The Mongolians did not convert because they believed that they had more power through uh, um, like devil worship and their cult and and their warrior uh, practices. They had no interest in uh, in converting. So the Jesuits uh, plotted for their overthrow. So they overthrew um, the uh, the Mongolians through a revolution, and they successively overthrew these uh, um, uh, Chinese emperors until they were pretty much fully in control of China. Um, so what they would do is they would foment revolution and wars, pit countries against each other, take control of one and then the other, and then they would consolidate their power each time. So with um, the communist revolution in China, they were essentially attempting to consolidate their control over China, like the, the different disparate, the disparate parts, even though they largely did control it. So they're you know, kind of building a, a base in China that they would then use against Russia or the you know, Soviet Union, pit those two powers against each, each other and then consolidate their control in, in China with a view to eventually having uh, communist China rule uh, the New World Order. Um, and they picked China for this purpose since it was essentially their base.
1: Well, th- now the Genghis Khan, he was a Tartarian then? Or is he different?
0: Um, so... Uh, He would be part of maybe a a Tartary. They would be from the land of like a a, a Tartar. So the Tartars would be like a vast kind of group of people. There are many, many different tribes.
1: So he was one of them. I've heard alternative history with him where he was going around trying to wipe out the, the other species that was around here that were demonic. I heard the opposite of that. And I mean, I have no idea who's right, what's going on. I'm just completely new to this, but how would, when someone says that, what would you say? Is that misinformation or is it, do you, have you uncovered something else that shows that that's not quite right?
0: Okay. So, um, the, the Mongolians, uh, worked with, uh, the, the Buddhist monks who practice kind of d- devil worship and they wanted to, uh, reserve, preserve these practice, practices for the elite because they found that there was a great deal of power to be had through this alliance or you know, with, with these demons. Um, and I don't know the particulars of exactly how that worked, but they did destroy uh, like other uh, efforts that were uh, you know, among the populations to engage in, um, in demonic practices because they wanted to help for themselves. Go ahead.
1: Okay, so the average people they wouldn't wipe them out, but they said that the elites could do it because they have, would have more power. Correct. They the correct. demons power to do things to people
0: that that's correct.
1: Wow. Okay. So, um, what now, how, uh, how, why did they change their name and, uh, were they wiped out quite a bit when, you know, is that one of the things, cause it seems like they're very, very strong right now. And they didn't change their name. You know, I mean, they changed their name to China or whatever, but they haven't, I mean, this is, I'm just trying to figure it out. Like a lot of them were wiped out. China's just a, um, you know, when you go to China, they're just people like us that are of different um, melatonin and sizes. They're thinner than we are because maybe they got a better, you know, eating, (laughs) patterns but uh, a lot thinner than we are like I go over there and I'm not that big here but over there I barely fit into their extra extra large it's really sad but anyways um, no but they, they're just normal people they don't have giants they don't have small people they don't have anything weird over there what happened to all of them that were they were all wiped out Is did Genghis Khan wipe them out did they wipe out? why were the people who were different wiped out
0: Okay, that's a good question. So um, to, to answer your first question of, of like, why did they change their name? So um, uh, Tartaria, since the, the, the days of um, like the ancient Greek philosophers um, and um, the, the Jesuits who, who came after her, they documented this area is called uh, Tartaros or Tartaria. they are you know, different names for it, they're kind of similar. And uh, Tartary referred to, um, it was like hell on earth. So this was the the, land of the damned, it was maybe even a, an area um, before you actually reached the real hell, if there's such a thing as hell on earth. Um, so this was an area where they, um, the elites acquired their occultic um, and I guess kind of magical powers, if you will, and the magic was based upon uh, technology and some type of contact with demons. Um, so as the, the Jesuits went into um, uh, Central Asia and began to kind of conquer uh, conquer the, the, the territories with the merchants and with um, these mercenaries they uh, they kept records of everything but then had those records uh, hold up within the Vatican or within the Bidden city of of China. So they were keeping this information for themselves and and, um, they went through and would continue to uh, conquer like one society after another. So they would target um, the elites. Essentially what you're looking at is that um, Marxism, you know, which is, you know, amounts to a perpetual revolution, uh, was, um, has its origins in China. Uh, specifically with Confucius. So with Confucius, um, he believed that he was among the elite uh, of China, and he believed that um, if he, he could acquire the wealth and power of his rivals, um, they, they wouldn't obviously hand it over to him, but if he could, if he could um, uh, cultivate uh, the politics of, of envy, um, class warfare, he could mobilize the poor and the disenfranchised to target the other elite Uh, to overthrow them, massacre them, and then he could come in, he and his allies could come in and take their wealth and property. So this was a tactic that they used repeatedly with one tribe after another. They would target the elite, um, they would abscond with their wealth, uh, take the resources, and then establish their control. So the elite would consist of um, the religious leaders, uh, um, political leaders, those who had any wealth and power. So it was a matter of just you know perpetual revolution, um, executing uh, those who could potentially challenge them, and then subjugating you know the survivors.
1: So they have a pattern of going out, committing genocide, and taking over resources.
0: Yes, they do. It's
1: just what they do. It's what they do. When they came to North America with the Native Americans, their attempt was to totally commit genocide and just take over their resources.
0: Yes, and uh, if you, you, you probably recall, um, they gave the, um, the Indians uh, blankets laced with smallpox. Um, they also attempted to exterminate all the buffalo to cut off their food supply. So there was you know, attempted genocide there too.
1: Now they're trying to do that to us right now. They're trying the whole Western world, maybe part, the whole world they're doing it, but the Western world in particular, they're trying to collapse our society. They're trying to commit mass genocide. It's not working to the same degree that they wanted, I don't think because there's those of us that are on to it. Uh, is this their same pattern and it's just as a like they've never stopped and it's just what they do. They don't even think about it?
0: Yes, it, it is their pattern. Um, like right now they're trying to create the, the old Silk Road. Um, and so the, the Silk Road is uh, based upon like the ancient uh, you know, ancient silk trade. Um, which became the foundation of our multinationals and starting with the Hanseatic League um, and and the Holy Roman Empire, which became Germany. Um, And the Hanseatic League was based upon the Mongolian and the Central Asian guild system. And that in turn became like the basis for the European Union and these different regional markets, which, which then became the basis for globalism. So they have been kind of Establishing um, a control system through commerce, where they worked hand in hand with the governments to um, to shore up their their markets, establish monopolies, um, and to pl- to place their own people uh, in, into positions of power through um, war- perpetual wars and revolutions. Um, and each time they would um, exterminate people. You know, we saw that with the East India Company, for example. You know, which became an imperialist force. That every time they went into this new these new territories. Uh, to establish markets, they would, you know, establish concentration camps um, and they would exterminate people, you know, in order to, um, I guess, they they consider that if if there were any uh, enemies or rivals in the way, it's easier just to to get rid of them than, than to deal with them. So that was a pattern that they established. And they also, which I found very interesting, um, the Central Asian rulers also, they had um, a track and trace system, which is very similar to, you know, this Great Reset, that they would, they would track and identify individuals from birth. Um, they found a, a way to uh, extract money from them, um, such that uh, they believed that the people uh, were to be taxed and to, to pay tribute to the, the ruler who was superior to them, um, and, and the, the money was not to be used like for government services or to help you know to build the communities, but it was given to the, to the the elite. You know like a system that we have today. Um, you know in which the um, the taxpayer is is endlessly taxed um, to you know for crony contracts and you know to enrich the, the, the bankers. Um, so a lot of these practices do trace uh, back to Central Asia, and and they continue to in, engage in these patterns. Um, to take over uh, the world and they've been largely successful so we're now experiencing our own attempted takeover here in north america
1: well if you look at the 13 families one of them is the lee family that's out of china Mm -hmm. or asia i don't know exactly where they're so is but the rest of them are european i from what i understand is that what your research has shown or You know why is there only one from asia area or are are more of them from the asia area
0: um i i think um the original like bloodline families would have been the black nobility so those would have been the, the powerful merchants from italy um who are kind of aligned with the mafia and those powerful families consolidated consolidated around the vatican so the vatican was like their um their public religious front Um, which was attempting to um, impose dominion over the the world in the name of God. Um, So these families were working with the mercenaries of Central Asia um, to kind of conquer the people. So they they were essentially controlling uh, the Chinese emperors behind the scenes from about the uh, 1200s onward. So I think that's why you'll, you'll see a lot of European families among the top bloodlines.
1: Okay, so the Lee family being just one of them. So Tartaria really wasn't taken over until like 1700s, 1800s, kind of, or was it all the Middle Ages? I mean, when is this time period that we're talking about?
0: Okay, so the Uh, The Jesuits um, began their attempted conquest, I think, really in in the 1200s when they connected with uh, the Mongolians. um, And after the Mongolians refused to convert, they observed um, the Mongolian strategies for conquest and attempted to emulate them and then use those strategies against the Mongolians themselves. So once they had, um, uh, you know, they had installed their own uh, um, emperor um, with with the, uh, the Ming Dynasty, um, they then were able to, to kind of work through those emperors to shore up markets. So each time they, you know, they, when the emperor proved to be inconvenient or that they wanted to consolidate more control or to gain more concessions, they would uh, foment revolution, overthrow the emperor. And I think um, the uh, By by around the 1700s, um, the Jesuits were working with the Chinese emperors to promote the rational enlightenment. And that was a strategy uh, through which they attempted to to conquer Europe and North America. So uh, the rational enlightenment was um, a form of conquest. Um, It was based upon kind of a a rational interpretation Uh, it was like like Confucianism interpreted through the lens of Christianity and and reason. So they were going to use... Uh, like perpetual revolution, like um, um, exploiting grievances among the population as a basis in which to overthrow those with power, and then they would implant themselves in the power, typically through um, republics. Um, And then, of course, they would control uh, the governmental or the public officers who were put into positions of, of power. So in, on the surface, it would appear that, that those republics uh, were representing the will of the people, but they were based upon a plutocratic or very elitist type of model, um, which was controlled by the elite. So it was during that period that, that they consolidated control and deism was actually um, uh, was Christianity interp- reinterpreted through the lens of Confucianism. So our founding fathers were kind of open to, you know, to these Chinese elements
1: the elite families learned a lot of these demonic practices from the Tartarians that were based in the Chinese area. Correct. And how long did that go back to where did they start doing these demonic stuff?
0: Um, I, I think it probably goes, I mean, it could go back thousands of years um, to, okay. the, to the Egyptian mystery schools, but I, I think that the, um, so the early uh, Greeks, um, you know, before, uh, before Christ, Um, were kind of indulging in some of these practices. They were pagan. And then, of course, um, the practices spread throughout uh, Asia by way of trade. And somehow the, um, the Asians had some type of I I don't know exactly how they acquired access to to actual demons because the the Jesuits um, and missionaries and even the um, the the emperors themselves had claimed that they had access to demons that they were working hand in hand with demons to a mass control so I I don't know exactly how that aspect works but that's what they were claiming to have had and I don't I I think that came in around um, the 1200s um, with uh, Genghis Khan um, when the Jesuits were connecting with them. But I think these practices went a lot further. But once um, the, the uh, European merchants um, tried to gain access to their markets and you know, kind of get access to, to these powers, then you're seeing you know, this kind of um, demonic type of uh, culture or uh, ideology um, kind of seep into the West.
1: So as they were trying to wipe out the Tertarians because they're demonic and they were out there, what did they, uh, how did they do that? And it it was successful for a certain period of time to kind of dampen down that demonic evil behavior? Or was it, and that, you know, how did that work? Like there were certain groups that were taking them out and then there's other groups that saw it and said, hey, I want that.
0: Um, that's a good question. So, um, the demonic powers, they were considered obviously to be very powerful. So they were held as the preserve of the elite. So in order to gain access to them, you had to partner with, with the elite and, and participate in their rituals. And then you could then you know, join the club. Um, so those who are targeted, um, I, I don't think they were targeted, like, you know, the, the, the people who are wiped out, I don't think they were targeted because they were demonic. They did, however, um, try to eliminate, um, those who were, um, Attempting to participate in the in the rituals, uh, you know, where they could summon demonic powers, because then they could pose a challenge to uh, to the to, to the elite. So those who were um, uh, eliminated um, could have been on land uh, that the the Jesuits and um, uh, I guess that the merchants wanted to, to conquer. They wanted the resources and the people just happened to be in the way. And uh, since they lacked any sense of, of humanity or concerns for the for the rights or. Um, uh, you know of, of the individual they had no problems wiping them out and they were actually pretty ruthless. Um, a lot of the uh, the early mercenary forces like the Khazarians uh, um, in particular were very bloodthirsty. In fact um, they, they were so problematic that, that the rulers of the day told them like look you've got to you know convert to a religion either you know um, Islam, uh, Christianity, or Judaism or we will exterminate you because they were just so ruthless. Um, and they eventually converted to Ju- Judaism, at least in, uh, in name only, because they believed that the Muslims had a caliphate, the Christians had their own kingdoms, and the Jews would eventually have their own kingdom. So they um, identified with Judaism, even though they secretly retained their old practices. But these were very like bloody and ruthless people. So they were capable of this, and they actually eventually became uh, the Bolsheviks.
1: But it's beyond just the Bolsheviks, is what you're saying. It's it's a it's some of the Bolsheviks, but then there's more people as well. Cause it not all the elites, these families, is it just the families or is it broader than the families?
0: Um, it's broader than the, the, the family, like the black mobility ultimately um, is at the, the top of, of the, the global pyramid, if you will. Um, I think the Rothschilds are fairly high up there. I think that they're, they are the top family personally because they were the gatekeepers to central Asia. So they were the ones who, um, Uh, had contacts with with the Vatican. They eventually put the Vatican in their debt. Um, Once the Venetian empire fell, um, the Venetians then um, migrated over to to Great Britain and joined the East India Company, transforming that into an imperialist force. Um, And the Rothschilds were able to kind of to pit countries against each other, put them in their debt, um, and eventually acquire breeding rights into uh, the royal families. So they began to kind of breed themselves into these families. They use revolution as a tactic, you know, working with the Jesuits and these secret societies um, to overthrow governments um, and then to, to implant their own people into positions of power. So I think that they were, there, there were networks of these people through the, the Freemasons, through the Jesuits, you know, who, were kind of, who found the, a strategy that worked and began to replicate it for the purposes of uh, conquering the world.
1: When I hear about the Scottish families, it mm-hmm. seems like they put a lot of importance on the Scottish uh, nobility. Mm-hmm. And something about that 13th family and the Scottish family where they believe the Antichrist or the Jesus even, maybe, I don't know, both maybe are going to come through that. What is your understanding of that?
0: Um, so I think Napoleon's father or some of his relatives, um, were involved with the Scottish Freemasons and they attempted to overthrow um, the Scottish monarch. Like they claimed that they were the, the, um, the real descendants. Um, so I know that there is a very active um, Scottish Freemason uh, gr- or at least th- there was a very active and powerful group. And um, those Freemasons uh, were connected with the Jesuits and these other secret societies. So that they came in through Scotland.
1: So there's nothing really special about it. I see, I'm trying to figure out because there's this supposedly this 13th family where that's they they believe their Lord will come through it. And it's it's uh, the background is Scottish and I was wondering why.
0: Um, I I don't know specifically why it would be Scottish, though um, I do know that the World Council of Churches was uh, founded, I believe in Edinburgh, Scotland, um, with funding from the Rockefeller family. And that was going to be, um, it was an ecumenical movement that would unite all the Protestant denominations under like one big govern- like bureaucratic body. So it'd be like um, it would do for Catholicism, like, for, like what the Vatican did for Catholicism. Excuse me, um, for the Protestant churches, like establish a bureaucratic organization that would control them and through which they could then, you know, promote their agendas.
1: So, do you see this as a depopulation, or is it pretty much just we need to get rid of people so that we can get more resources and get rid of our problem?
0: Um, I, I think that there there's a, there's there's always been a depopulation agenda. Um, the fewer people there are, the um, the more control they have, because I think too many people become problematic um, for them. And I think they also want to, um, uh, like, they, they look at depopulation as uh, compassionate. Like, they think that, well, we are as gods, as uh, gods on earth. Um, we are entitled to control the world and we're entitled to the best and we have all of these you know subhumans who are taking resources that really should be ours so in order useless to maintain, eaters you no know, useless eaters if you will. So in order to maintain harmony in the world you know we have to kind of eliminate you know, some of the people
1: So they really think they're doing good and they're really warped screwed up minds. Now are they different biologically than the regular humans? Or are they just psychopaths that think they are?
0: Um, I would say that they are psychopaths who think they are. I mean, they are bloodlines. So I think you know our, the essence of who we are is transmitted through the DNA. Um, I have heard you know some researchers believe that there is like a, a serpentine uh, bloodline. I don't know too much about that, but. Um, I think, you know, as we've seen even here in America, that people who would not otherwise be part of the bloodline do join, and then they kind of take on those characteristics.
1: What do you mean, take on the character? They start um, to do demons and are yeah. ruthless. and
0: Yeah, like like they they engage in the rituals, they, they join the club, and then once they're part of that club, they're as ruthless as, or maybe not as ruthless, but, but they engage in the practices for conquest, like they're kind of, you know, part, they're, they're engaging in the, the rituals um, that would give, that would give them the power that they believe that they need to conquer the world.
1: So it's something about this demonic process, and it's something about how they raise their young Mm -hmm. that turn them into psychopaths and people without any kind of feelings or empathy towards other humans. And they just want to go and get whatever they want. And they think they deserve it.
0: Correct. Um, So for example, they they might have a, a child observe ritual killing of of another child or an animal to make that make their child more like to harden their hearts so that they you know can do cruel and wicked things without feeling any remorse
1: you may think they're superior if they can i mean they have some warped way of thinking that if you can harden your heart and there is a sense of being hardened that you can be a better person but they're using it to be able to be cruel Correct in mass,
0: so if um, like they would view the Christians as very weak people like look, we can conquer the Christians, you know, through our our tactics, the Christians care about others they, they are compassionate they give. And look at what we've done to them, so they believe that by by being hard and 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 having like a single minded focus for money and power that they can get what they want, so that in their own warped opinion makes them superior.
1: Yeah. And we think that being kind, you can be hard in a kind way, and that makes you superior. I mean, we kind of think that's a superior way of being because you're happier, more harmonious with the universe, you know, with all the things around you and the people around you and love and everything else. Okay. So how do we wipe these? How do we change this? I mean, I want to wipe them out. You know, they want to wipe us out. And I'm like, okay, well, let's wipe them out. And, you know, he kind of starts to get to that point, because if they do this over and over and over again, is there any other option than to wipe them out or the people who are left to change their, their mental souls so that they operate differently? You know, they're psychopaths. We got to, yeah, they are psychopaths. It's a disease. They have they're diseased sick people. And we need to either you put people like that in prison or you need to, you need to heal them. We need to get rid of it, essentially, in some way, shape, or form.
0: I, I agree with you. I mean, they are the enemies of humanity, and they've killed maybe you know, hundreds of millions to, to possibly over a billion people in the last um, you know, few hundred years, uh, hundreds of years. Um I, you know, they definitely need to be removed from power. The problem is that they, they have so much power and, they, and so much wealth, and they've infiltrated really every aspect of society: our governments, um, universities, hospitals, um, and they control all of our, multi, our corporations, our multinationals, which are wiping out the, the individual businesses. You know, they control our banking system. Um, so I think you know they, they do need to be, um, I would say, incarcerated. Um, there has to be some justice dealt to them. Um, But I think in order for that to happen, we need to have the political will to do so, and I think unfortunately so many people are maybe somewhat compromised or their job depends upon going along. That I think it's very hard for uh, us to muster that political will. Um, And I think they've done a very good job of compromising people and making us dependent, making, you know, we the people dependent upon the system so that if you you go outside of it, you know, you risk your own survival, basically. But we do need uh, the political will, obviously, to, you know, to to eliminate them. and uh, I, I'm not exactly sure how that, ha- how that would need to happen, um, possibly you know, with the, through the military or um, you know, some type of ins- insurrection, but I, I, wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to rec- you know, make any recommend- recommendations to that effect. But, I, but in my opinion, we definitely need the political will.
1: We can solve this long-term if we start to instill um, methods of identifying psychopaths when they're young and yeah. healing them right? And say, we can't have psychopaths in our society. If you end up turning into somebody who's very sickly, your diseased mind, essentially, then we need to fix that. If you want to be part of society, you can't be an operational operating psychopath or sociopath and be part of our society. You have to heal. I mean, I think we could fix it by doing something like that. And all of us probably have varying degrees of it, but you know we if you're not on the path of healing and if you're extreme you just can't be part of our society we have i think that would solve a lot of it
0: i I would have to agree with you and i i think we have to go back to our judeo I mean, you're speaking to really going back to our judeo christian roots of, of reconnecting with god and and to ethics because I, I think we have, um, we as a, as a society have disconnected um, virtue from, from the creator and, and from, um, fr- from, I guess, the way we do business. So we need to become more virtuous ourselves and almost develop like a, a no tolerance policy for, for those who are you know, psychopathic and are willing to, you know, to, to harm others and violate the rules and the laws you know, for their own personal self enrichment.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's, we, we, we can't be so extreme where we can't allow people to be human and to grow, mm-hmm. but we also, you know, cause then that ends up being not loving and Christian or whatever religion you are, that ends up not being ethical either,
0: True.
1: but we, but we have to root out this psychopathic sociopathic behavior and, and like a cancer. And we can, I think we have the tools to do it. We, like you said, I think we have to have the political will. There's also the technology to identify it in the young. Yes, there is. Correct. You know, we need to identify it and heal people. I think a lot of this is psychology, you know, having that field actually be a field that can be really beneficial to society versus how they're using it now with drugs and it's a terrible now
0: i think they, they also keep extensive uh, records of exactly who they are um, and, and what they do so I, I think um i would imagine that the nsa and and there are people within our government who do have access to those records where they would be able to identify exactly who they are and possibly have them removed
1: yeah have them removed we should be able to tell based on their personality traits when they're young uh, we can have the people removed who are in power who are psychopaths and sociopaths we know based on behavior mm-hmm. they can tell just based on now just based on what they do in their actions and you know so more than what we can just by looking at them they can tell by how they you know how they ask questions and how they interact with the internet and all this stuff they know, they know. Um, the science knows now but so we can get rid of the older people who are in power like that and then the younger people we can heal them mm-hmm. That's, I'm just kind of brainstorming right now. Cause I'm thinking we just can't go on like this.
0: Correct. And then there's a question of nature or nurture. Like, Are, are people born evil or can an, an evil person be healed, you know, and become a better person?
1: Well, if we don't put them through those mind altering traumatic situations, w- you know, how many of those people wouldn't, if they have to watch a child be murdered, or if they don't personally murder someone? cause my understanding is if they don't murder someone, then they hurt somebody they really love in front of them. So they're forced at a very young age to do it. And then they get caught into that cycle and they can't get out. That's true. And now they're sick. So if we can keep that process from happening, I think we'd save 99% of them. There probably is a percentage that the serial killers that are just born nut jobs. And then, but that's, that's a problem we can manage (laughs) compared to now.
0: I think you have a very good point. And, um, because really there are just like a handful of the psychopaths at the very top, and then they try to impose their sickness on everybody else. So I think, you know, there are a lot, you know, who are, if we can get them while they're young, that who can be healed, because I don't think it's the natural human state to act as they do.
1: No, I, you're absolutely right. It's just not human. Wow. This is so fascinating. You've just, uh, I mean, I, we, we do have to figure out Tartaria, what that's all about. To uncover our own history of what's really going on, I think we've been kept in the dark for so long on so many things. And as we start to figure this out now, where can people find this amazing book where you have put all this information in?
0: Thank you. So, the, um, uh, Tartaria is the missing link. Um, it does, you know, reveal the source of the cabal and how it spread throughout the world. So. Um the this book, other uh, information is, is included in Tartar Treachery. Um it's on the Vatican China collusion. Um and uh the book is available on Amazon. You can find it on my webpage, uh, which is uh, susanbradford.org, which links to it. And I'm also gonna be coming out with a, an audible fairly soon. So if you don't want to read you don't have to read the book, you don't have time, um it will be available on in an audible book.
1: Oh, that's great, because not everybody likes to uh read they or they'll take a car trip. And nobody wants to fly anymore because you got to be nice. vaccinated <laughs> up and everything else. It's all messed up. Okay, well, thank you. So what's your website again?
0: Um, it's uh, www.susanbradford.org.
1: Excellent. Thank you so thank much. You, Susan. I'm glad we were able to get this connected because last time we had a mix up in our scheduling, <laughs> my fault, maybe I don't know. But it was uh it was so great to talk to you about this. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon.